I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello, Rush Nation, and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. I am your host, as usual, Liam, or at the FSA Tweets on Twitter. And I'm joined by my co-host, Rich, at Dynasty Island on Twitter. Rich, how are you doing? I bet you're um, missing the Jets at the moment with the <laughs> bye week. But how, how did it, how was the bye week for you? Any week we, we move ahead of the Bills in the standings is always a good week. So, yeah, can't, can't argue with that. But... Um, yeah, I mean, big, big. It's it's the the hundredth episode, Liam, of the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. So um, yeah, a, a, a nice little milestone to tick off. Um, you yeah. have done a hundred of these, Rich. A hundred. Well, I think you did one without me, so I reckon I've done ninety nine. So, well, I won't have done because I didn't start at the same time as you. You, you were doing the Five Yard Dynasty podcast. Yeah, no, I, I mean. Started. I mean, I've I've done I've done nine. There's been a hundred five yard dynasty yes. pods. Yeah. I've been on ninety nine because I missed one. So um, okay, yeah, I'll make but, sure to bring but, this up tomorrow, uh, next week. <laughs> next week. <laughs> but yeah, en- enough about silly milestones. Let's uh, let's dive into <laughs> to this week. Yeah, um, this week was a bit interesting. I, I don't really know how else to say it. I mean, 
let, let's just dive straight into the high scorers, Rich. So at the QB position, um, we use four point touchdowns, um, throwing touchdowns, that is. But Justin Fields doesn't need to throw touchdowns because he just runs for 150 plus yards and a uh, touchdown or more on the ground. Um, so he was our QB one this week at 40 points, 40.4 points. And then Patrick Mahomes at QB two. Um, and then two are at QB3 with nearly half of Justin Fields' points. That just shows when you've got a top-rushing quarterback, Rich. It's a cheat code. I, I purposefully didn't want to talk about Justin Fields this week because I feel like we've done nothing but talk about him for the last two weeks. But I feel like you're, tr- you're trying either. to tease Yeah, but I feel like you're trying to tease me in and, and trying to get me to talk about him again. But yeah, I mean, incredible week. We're running out of superlatives to talk about him at the moment, aren't we? We just need to see that throwing game. Um, it's there. It's, 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 the, it's, it's the volume that's the issue. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that is a trust in the offensive line. I think that's partly game scripts. I think that's partly the fact that they've they've got no great weapons. They've got, I'd say, three kind of average weapons in Mooney, Claypool and Komet and they're lacking like a true, you know, number one, quite frankly. If if Mooney and Claypool are two and three and Komet's a complimentary piece, that's a good offense, isn't it? But yeah, it's it's not great without that true bona fide number one. So Rich, uh moving on to the running backs, we had Jonathan Taylor finally get back into the top three. Um, had his best game of the season so far with twenty three point four points as the RB one. And then James Connor coming back from injury um, had uh, another great game at RB2. And then Aaron Jones, RB3, um, all roughly around the same points, Rich. But but yeah, just, just finally getting back into uh, what we kind of expected from James uh, from Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, it's, you know, for, for those of you that have, have stuck by him through the a tumultuous year, um, yeah, it was really impressive. You know, we we saw the volume. There was basically no other backs that, that could eat into it. Um, but I think the thing that was most impressive is that offensive line that's been held up as something great and, and quite frankly, for the rest of this year has been pretty abysmal. Um, was suddenly back to being great. I don't know if that's Jeff Saturday has has tweaked things or it's just a change in attitude. But it was it was amazing to see them, you know, creating creating space, creating get lanes, and and Jonathan Taylor was able to to benefit. So hopefully, you know, as someone that's got quite a few Jonathan Taylor shares, hopefully that's a sign of things to come for the rest of the season. Uh, Moving over to the wide receivers, Rich, and as you can tell, I am excited to talk about the wide receivers. Um, So wide receiver one this week was CD Lamb, 38 points. Wide receiver two, Justin Jefferson, 35 points. Both of those you kind of expect to to see every so often in the top three. But a guy that hasn't done anything this season, um, this is why I wanted to talk about the wide receivers. Rich Christian Watson, wide receiver three on the week, scoring um, three touchdowns. Where do you want to go with this? Because I could talk about uh, the game on Sunday for, for hours. Yeah, um, Yeah, I mean, it's... I think the thing is, is that there's there was a lot of hype after Sunday, and quite rightly so. It was an impressive performance from a guy that people had high hopes for coming in and 
producing. Um, I think, if I can be honest, I'm sort of, yes, this is a real thing. And yes, Christian Watson is a real asset in Dynasty and a, you know, a player that is potentially in your lineups. But let's just call the Jets a little bit. I think people are, you know, already going, oh, but he's the wide receiver one for Aaron Jones, uh, for Aaron Rodgers. He's going to be a stud. And, you know, there, there's a reason why I didn't think he was worth a first round pick in rookie drafts. I think that this offense is still going to run through the running game. And I think that Christian Watson profiles best as, you know, a deep threat rather than a high volume player if that makes sense. And, you know, on games like Sunday where he can catch three bombs, quite frankly, um, I think two bombs and one. Three bombs. Yeah, there you go. Two, two, two <laughs> bombs. Um, then, you know, he's going to have some boom weeks, but I think there's also going to be some bus weeks in there. And I think that for me, I'd, I'd probably still only value him around like a mid-second. And I certainly don't think that he's going to be a league winner down the stretch. Um, I may be sitting here with egg on my face in four or five weeks, and if I am, I'm I'm happy to hold my hands up. But I just don't think that this passing offense is going to have the volume and the success for him to be potentially a fantasy stud. You know, he had a 42 percent target share on Sunday with eight targets. Like that's mind blowing. It's you know, it just shows this this offense isn't going to be you know. 40, 50 pass attempts a game is going to run through the run game. What I completely agree. I completely yeah. agree. You took my point away. It was going to be the target <laughs> share. Um, at one point, he was very close to 50% target share. Um, and the only reason it went down to, uh, I think it's 40 or 42, um, somewhere in that range, was because of the overtime drive where he didn't receive a target. It was all, to, um, it was all the running game and... The two, to, I think there was two targets to Lazard, one to Watkins, and maybe one or two to the backs. But um, that will have brought his target share down. But what I wanted to really emphasize is that Aaron Rodgers has been speaking about Christian Watson for weeks. And I don't mean that he's just been saying, oh, I'll. Oh, here, here we go. Like we want to get Watson involved. It's uh, we want to get these guys around the ball. We want to get the ball in these guys' hands. And everyone thought it was going towards Dobbs. Everyone thought all that talk was trying to get Dobbs a bit more playing time. But I sat here and I thought that it was going to be Watson all the way through. And yes, he's not going to score three touchdowns every week. Yes, he could be similar to uh, Chase Claypool that was in the same position, scored three touchdowns in a game, or maybe even four. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was four, more than receiving one rushing. Um, but it, it could be something along those lines. I don't think it is with Watson. I do agree he profiles more as a deep threat and he will have those boom-bust weeks. But I also think that he is going to be a prime target in unfortunately what is a run first offense right now um but we finally played a full game of football and that's why i'm happy yes watson is showing but we finally played not just four but nearly five quarters of football yeah i think you you've just got to look at his adot you know his adot was over 20 yards on sunday that that shows how he's going to get used 
His air yard market share was 73.5%, which I'll be honest, is one of the one of the highest numbers I think I've ever seen in terms of that. So that shows you how little the Packers were throwing the ball. And when they were throwing the ball, you know, it was either short or going deep to Christian Watson. There wasn't much in between. So I, I, I think that he's still a, you know, a competent asset, but I just think that, you know, I probably wouldn't pay more than the second round pick for him right now. See, I, I've been on Christian Watson saying that people should be going to, to buy him for a, for a couple of weeks now. And I think that window has kind of sailed a little bit. Do you think you could probably get him for still a little bit cheap thinking that, or, or ha- having someone think that they're selling high, but at the same time, I, I think with people are spending first on him in the draft, you're probably not paying less than that um, in 23 picks, even though um, everyone's valuing that class much higher. Moving over to the tight ends, Rich. Um, Cole Komet as the tight end one this week. Um, he's had an incredible stretch over the past three weeks. And then Travis Kelsey, tight end two. And then Dalton Schultz, tight end three. Um, Rich, coming over to Cole Komet first. I mean, he's had an incredible uh, past few weeks. I think in PPR, he's the tight end one over the past three weeks. Um, it's quite quite an insane stat. But he's also scored, I think it's five touchdowns um, in in that span. So hugely touchdown dependent. Yeah, I think you know it's 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 basically a question of do you believe in in small sample sizes being a sign of things to come? And quite frankly, I don't. Um, Cole Komet, as of two weeks ago, was the tight end thirty-one in PPR scoring. He's now the tight end twelve off the back of four touchdowns in two weeks. I think that look, if you were to say to me, Cole Komet is going to be a boom bust option that will finish in the tight end 10 to 15 range, you know, one week he'll have a, you know, a good week and the next week he'll put up two points. I'd a hundred percent believe it, but this comes back to, we were talking earlier about the bears needing a, a true number one. And I, I think that that's still the case. I don't think Cole Komet is anything other than, quite frankly, an average tight end. And I don't believe that he's going to be, you know, destined for fancy stardom. So if if you can convince somebody otherwise and potentially sell off the back of that, then uh, then maybe now's the time to do it. Yeah. Um, as I said, he was the tight end one in overall score and he is the tight end two in points per game over the past three weeks because Travis Kelsey had a bye during that time. Um, but yeah, if you can sell for... What what would you sell him for, Rich? Late second? Um, yeah, I think you could probably get a mid-second for him right now. I, I'd, I'd take any second for him. Um, but I reckon that you could probably get a mid-second. Um, and then Rich Dalton Schultz. I mean, the, the Cowboys had some some good stats um passing wise against my good old packers but um Dalton Schultz stuck out for you yeah i think that you know we last year Dalton Schultz had a, a come from nowhere season and and was quite frankly incredible and shot into that kind of second third tier however you want to kind of carry it out with the the kittles the hawkinsons the goddards in terms of dynasty value coming into the season. And he got injured with the PCL injury in, in week two, which was a four to five week injury after he re-aggravated it. But 
the last two weeks has been back to the Dalton Schultz that, that we kind of hoped he would be. Um, and I think that this is now, for me, he's kind of back to being the Dalton Schultz that we'd hoped and was last year. So if he can get that 15 to 20% target share, if he can be that player that we'd all hoped, you know, the tight end, and you're going to come onto this in a bit, is an absolute dumpster fire at the moment with a few key injuries in the last week. It is even worse than it has ever been. It is basically Kelsey Andrews, maybe, you know, Hawkinson. And then I'm, I'm throwing Schultz in that second tier, absolutely. And I think that because of that slow start, because of that week two to week nine stretch where he didn't really put up any great production, yes, he's had two good weeks, but I think this is now probably still a little bit of a buy low. And I reckon that, you know, yes, if you've not got a Kelsey or an Andrews, Hawkinson's a little bit hyped after the trade and that kind of thing, but maybe Schultz is the the the, 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 the final guy that you can go and buy to give you some sort of relevancy at the tight end position because it is an absolute horror show at the moment. I mean, Schultz is the um, tight end three in points per game over the past three weeks. He's two finishes because uh, he had a bye during that time. Um, week eight, week eight was tight end six, and last week or the week just gone that we're recapping now, he was the tight end three. Um, he's got fifteen targets over those two two games. So, as you said, Rich, he, he looks to be back, and I, as you said, you can probably get him for a bit cheaper than um, what you'd expect if he manages to keep it together. But Rich, let's move over to the significant news. We've got um, some big injuries that we don't ever like to see, but it's a part of fantasy football, so let's cover it. First off, we've got Cooper Cup, um, high ankle sprain. So he is headed to IR, so he's potentially back for the fantasy um, playoffs, but he won't be back before that because they um, it's a four-game stretch on IR that he has to be out on. So... Yeah, he, he, he isn't going to be back for the rest of the fantasy season, uh, regular season, but he'll be back for the playoffs. Uh, well, or have that they, potential, that is. Yeah, so they've said that he's having surgery, which is a six six to eight week um, recovery timeline. So, so I think basically he's playoffs as well. He's, he's, he's playoff, he's, you know, I'd be shocked, let's be honest. I'd, I'm sure Sean McVay won't want to hear this, but the Rams season is done. We talked about it last week. It's done. Um, Yeah, exactly. Cooper Cup's not coming back this season. I think you can hold out hope, but it's it's certainly not happening because why would they rush him back in week 15, 16 when their season's done? They've got nothing to play for. So, Rich wanted to touch on this one because I know a lot of contenders will have Cooper Cup on their rosters. If this has happened to, to someone that's listening, what would you recommend moving to? So you pivot away from Cup and you go and get a player plus a second I, or where are yeah, you? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd sort of penciled this in for, for the rises and fallers section because I think Cooper Cup is absolutely a dynasty faller. But for me, I think this is a really key window to sell Cooper Cup. And, you know, Coop, what Cooper Cup has done over the last two season and a half is absolutely historic 
Cooper Cup was on a stretch of 22 straight games producing 15 or more fancy points. That has Incredible. never that has never happened since the NFL merger. Since 1970, that has never happened. The most consecutive games over 15 PPR points by any wide receiver was Devontae Adams, and he did 17 games. So Cooper Cup did that and then did five more games on top. It is that run is absolutely historic. Okay. He is currently a wide, a top five wide receiver in terms of dynasty value. I think that's going to plummet a little bit over the next couple of weeks. I think if you can get top five value for him, I'd be a little bit shocked. Okay. However, he's going to be 30 in the offseason. The dynasty community is incredibly ageist. As soon as a guy, a wide receiver is approaching that 30 mark, the, the value falls off a cliff, okay? Now, I am saying to you that I think even despite the injury, if you can sell Cooper Cup now on the premise of him being, you know, the, the best fancy wide receiver at the moment and he's going to come back fully healthy next year and the Rams will be good to go, I think you have to do that because I think his price in the offseason, I'd be shocked if he's a top 12 wide receiver in ADP in April, May, June. I think it's only going to drop. And I think that, you know, you know my feelings about the Rams next year. We talked about it all last week. We're going to keep joking about McVeigh retiring stuff. I wouldn't be shocked if the Rams are a bit of a tire fire at the end of the year. And that's all going to affect Cooper Cup's dynasty value. So for me, I think you've got to be selling. I think you probably need to take what feels like a little bit of an undersell to get a, a decent return. I would take Cooper Cup. Uh, let me let me list receivers that I would take over Cooper Cup right now. Okay, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, AJ Brown, Jalen Waddle, C.D. Lamb, T. Higgins, Chris Olave, D.K. Metcalf, Garrett Wilson, Drake London, Amon Brown, Stephon Diggs, Tyreek Hill, Chris Godwin, Michael Pittman, Debo Samuel, Devontae Adams, Deontay Johnson, and that's the, that's where I've now got Cooper Cup. I would take 19 wide receivers over Cooper Cup straight up now in Dynasty. I knew you'd have Deontay Johnson in there. You'd you'd find <laughs> a way to squeeze him in there. Um, but yeah, I completely agree. I'm not going to carry on going over the same point. Um, but Rich, if you're contending as a Dynasty um, or in your Dynasty leagues, where would you look at move? Would you look at maybe going for uh, DeAndre Hopkins and trying to get a first back? For next year, or would you be looking at? I say, think. I think you might need to look at it. Yeah, I think you might need to look at it as almost two trades because I think that the people who are going to be interested in Cooper Cup are basically teams that aren't competing this year, and I think that teams that aren't competing this year are probably not going to have the win now top tier asset that you're going to want back. So, yeah, you know, if you can go and do Cooper Cup for DeAndre Hopkins and, a you know, a late first, early second, I'd absolutely do that. But I'd be shocked if a rebuilding team still owns DeAndre Hopkins. So maybe what you need to do is you need to go and sell Cooper Cup for, you know, another asset, whether it be, you know, a pick or a running back, and then and then maybe spin that player into the win-now receiver that um, that can help you in now to replace Cooper Cup's production. 
so Rich staying with the wide receivers. Um, Jerry Judy is potentially out for a few weeks. Um, we don't really have much info at this point. We just know that he could be out for a few weeks. Um, but looks like it's an ankle injury. We just, as I said, we just don't know what what the injury is. So, um, have you got anything you wanted to talk about here? Because it also could be a calf injury. As I said, yeah, I mean, no real info. I'm I'm beginning to to wonder if it's ever going to happen for Jerry Judy. Um, apologies if anyone can hear my dog going mental in the background. <laughs> um, look, I I think that Jerry Judy's an elite talent. He's an elite route runner. We said in the off season that his skill set didn't necessarily mesh well with Russell Wilson in terms of Russell Wilson being that extend the play outside the numbers because of his shorter height, not being able to operate in those, you know, short to intermediate over the middle of the field areas where Jerry Judy and his route running has, has traditionally won. And I think that's played out. But, you know, with Jerry Judy, it's just another injury. There was talk of potentially him them trading him at the off-season. I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, yeah, he's probably going to be with the, the Broncos next year, but I wouldn't be shocked if he's then moving in free agency the history and track record of wide receivers moving in free agency. Okay. In the last two years, it's been pretty good, but it's never been great. I'm just wondering if it feels like it's, it's kind of almost never going to happen for Joe Judy. And that's tough. Cause I, you know, he's my wide receiver two coming out. It was a guy that I was drafting ahead of Justin Jefferson, which, you know, I'd, I'd love to have that one back right now. Um, but it, it's just beginning to feel like it, it might never happen. Um, and so, yeah, I, I wonder if, you know, there's probably a duty truther in each league. I wonder if you can still get good value on selling him because I I just don't think it's it's ever going to be anything more than like a wide receiver three for fantasy and for dynasty. I think, you know, I've, I've got him currently ranked in like the mid 40s. Um, and he's about, you know, I always talk about I don't like value, valuing and rostering those, you know, wide receiver 50 to 80 type players. He's he's 100% in that bucket. And I think for me, I'd, I'd take a, a second round pick for him. I don't think you'd have to. I think you'd probably sell for more, but I would uh, I would take a second. Rich, moving on, we've got um, Dallas Goddard to miss X. Extended time uh, with a shoulder injury. It looked like it was pulled down by, or with help of the Met face mask in the Monday night game. Um, I don't know whether you saw the play, but we, again, don't have much info because this did happen um, less than 24 hours ago as of recording. So um, not much news there. What, staying with a tight end position, a huge injury for Zach Ertz. Puts him out for the rest of the season. Um, he was the tight end three um, on the season. So just a, a tough injury there, a guy that I was massively high on as a, if you were contending um, or in your redraft leagues. Murray or Kyler Murray and Matthew Stafford were both late in actives this week. So we got to see um, Colt McCoy versus um, John Warford. So that's... Um, that was not how we expected that game to go, but 
Um, Murray and Stafford, both probable to play this week. So just, again, keep an eye on more news coming out. Stafford has a concussion, so um, he's more than probable to play um, after spending the best part of the later um, portion of last week out there. So you also have um, Juju Smith-Schuster declared out from the game with a head-slash-neck injury. Um, More info to come based on that injury, but um, at the moment it's been confirmed that it's a is in concussion protocol, so he does have a chance to play if there's no other injury or um, severity to that injury and it is just that concussion. And then I wanted to add this one on Rich because um, we didn't cover it last week and it is a significant injury. Um, Darren Waller is placed on IR. He missed last um, or the game from uh, week 10, so he has only got three more games to be uh, until he can be activated. But um, for a tight end that we're maybe putting in that elite tier or um, the the guys that could step up into the elite tier, um, he's not had a good season and gone straight to YR um, going into last week. And then the bye weeks, uh, we've got the Miami Dolphins, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Seattle Seahawks and the Jacksonville Jaguars all on a bye this week. So um, no Tua, no no Tyreek Hill, no Christian Kirk and no Kenneth Walker, the guy that Rich keeps touting as the running back one in Dynasty. Um that that was meant to be a joke, but he, he didn't bite <laughs> on it too. He didn't bite on it. It's not no fun when he doesn't bite. Well, yeah, he's he's running back too. He's 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 same value he's as JT. Right I'd, I'd still I'd still take JT over him. Yeah, he's the uh, eleventh um, just released their November ADP, and he's running back two in that as well. So there you go. Oh wow, I didn't expect him to be that high. But Rich talking about being like being um, or rising up the ranks. So, Dynasty Start Market, who have you got as your uh, risers based on the Week 10 performances? So, the, the first one is Rashad White. Um, you know, we, there was breadcrumbs over the past few weeks that, that they were going to get him more involved. He started to see more snap shares. He started to get more involved. As the, the kind of year has progressed, there was a scare, apparently, in, in the week that Leonard Fournette didn't have a passport and therefore... The Bucks were preparing all week for Leonard Fournette not to be playing, which is why apparently Rashad White got the start. I don't know to believe if that's the reason or whether they would have started Rashad White had the game been in the US. I don't know. But at this point, you know, he's he's starting to look like the better back. He's starting to, you know, he got the start. It's, 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 is it now Rashad White's backfield? Is is he now the one to own out of him and Leno Fournette? And my question for you, Liam, is who would you rather own in Dynasty? That's tough. And I think it purely comes down to your roster construction. If you win now, it's Leonard Fournette. If it's um any other roster construction, not win now, basically retooling, rebuilding, or in the middle of the pack, I'd probably go um Richard White. But um just looking at the free agent pool for the quarterbacks because if Tom Brady doesn't come back next year for whatever reason, I mean, he is an unrestricted free agent, so he could leave and go to a new team, but I think a lot of people are expecting him to retire. So 
either way at the moment we don't know who that quarterback is going to be um the free agent class isn't overly nice in terms of names you could put there I mean you do have Lamar Jackson but we we know that the Ravens are going to try and work out a deal uh, it doesn't matter. As... He's getting tagged. If he's he's not, everybody keeps talking about Lamar Jackson being a free agent. He's he's not a free agent. He's going to get tagged at least twice, if not three times, before they let him walk. There's no way he's a free agent. You didn't even let me get there, Rich. But yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to I, say. Because I feel triggered about it. I'm fed up of having to explain to people that he's not going to be a free agent. So I apologise for interrupting. <laughs> Um, Gino Smith is another guy that um, is free agent, but as you said, the the or as you said last week, the Seahawks are probably going to be um, looking at re-signing him, especially considering how cheap he was this year. Um, Daniel Jones again, the Giants could even look at him. I don't think that they will because his passing numbers are not anywhere where you want a quarterback to be. Um, he just adds that rushing um, element to their game. Jimmy Garoppolo, Baker Mayfield, the the rest of the the guys on the list are not overly um, enticing. So that then th- makes you think: Are they going to bring a rookie in? And if so, they'd have to spend significant draft capital to to bring one in because I don't think they're going to be in range to try and get one of the top guys. And if what you say is true, from going back to last week, three guys, maybe four in the top ten, then they are going to have to spend up because by the looks of it, they could easily get into the playoffs with a, a mediocre record, which would then put their first pick in the um, in 18 or, or more than the, uh, the 18th pick or more. So um, I just think that it's a tough situation to value Rashad White because of the unknown at the quarterback position. Um, if you believe Tom Brady is going to stay there, then I think that he's... Um, valued a little bit on always a bit undervalued right now but otherwise the the value yeah, is I, weird i don't, I don't I really see, know how else to put, put it i can see the argument for rashad white i really like him as a prospect I, I think you know there there is potential there i don't think he's ever going to be a, a, a bell cow i think he's always going to be part of a committee and the one thing that's got me i think people are writing off leonard fournette as he's done after this season, but he's under contract. It would cost them more to release him before next season than it would to keep him on the roster. So I don't think he's going to be going anywhere. Um, So I think I'd still rather have Leonard Fournette over Rashad White in fantasy next year. So Rich, who else have you got as a riser this week? So next guy, it's it's a guy that I feel like I'm I'm having to constantly apologise about. Um, but to be honest, <laughs> he's, he's constantly improving and um, showing us up. So yeah, Tua, he he he's ticking a lot of boxes. You know, when you've got the weapons that he has and he's able to deliver the ball the way he has been, it's hard not to have him. You know, continue ranks. I think. I saw a Twitter poll, I think it, it was Ali, Dynasty Grill, about who would you rather, Carlo Murray or Tua, and I think people, Twitter was voting Tua, I think that's probably a little bit hyperbole at the moment, um, I certainly wouldn't have him that high, but I think he's definitely a, you know, a, a Dynasty QB1, the, the stat that amazed me, I, I heard was, if you just take games where Tua has started and finished the game, 
Um, the Dolphins' offense leads the league in EPA per play, so that is better than the Bills, better than the Chiefs, better than the Eagles, um, which is you know just shows how incredible this offense has been with Tua at the helm. So, yeah, you know his his value is definitely on on the rise. Again, if if you take games where he has started and finished, um, you've got the lowest. Um, the lowest rank that he's been, weekly rank, that is, is QB23. And that is the only time he's been outside of the top 12 quarterbacks or top 11. Um, it, he's not thrown under 250 yards in any of those games. So I, I think that he's definitely a guy that you can look forward to in for the future. He's thrown two interceptions or one interception the entire season. So I think that his play is probably closer to his ceiling the or much closer to his ceiling than his floor. He might be trying he might be getting to the point where he's a bit maxed out. But I also think that he is quite rightly in the um tier of say Fields, Dap Prescott, where he if he somehow takes another step forward, that he he will be pushing into the elite here. I just don't see him taking that next step forward because for fantasy purposes, that next step forward is rushing potential and he doesn't rush. He, he just doesn't. He's a pocket passer. I think that I'm going to anger people here, but to me, I would still have him the tier below Dak, the Sean Watson, Kyler, Justin Fields, Herbert Burrow, all those guys. I, I just can't see him getting up in that world. I think that whilst he's been great, I still think that he's he's a this is this is really harsh, but he's a product of that offense rather than that offense is a product of him. Um, and I think, I think that you know, I, I really don't think it is. Um, I think that look, let's not be honest. Tyreek Hill's not getting any younger. You know, if we're talking about Dak Prescott, Deshaun Watson, Kyler Fields, Herbert. I'm confident that those guys can continue to produce as QB1s, no matter the kind of surrounding talent. I don't believe that with Tua. I think that at the moment, Tua is inarguably the best situation in the league in that he's got two elite, you know, match-up wide receivers that, that are complete game wreckers. He's got a fantastic offensive coordinator. They've got a great running game. He's got a big slot receiver in Mike Sicky that in, in any given week can be a matchup problem. But I worry that, you know, how, how long has Tyree Keel got left at this level? We talked about Cooper Cup earlier. Tyree Keel is a guy that relies almost exclusively on that athleticism. He's, I want to say, 29 at the moment. 28. 30, 28. Okay, be 29 in the off-season. Has Tariq Hill got another two, three years at this level? I, I don't think he has. And I think that for me, if I'm tying an elite level of assets into a quarterback in a super flex league, I want to be able to say, you know, there's a two, three year window. And I don't know if I can truly say that about two. I want to know how many people you have angered with those comments, Rich. But before I, like, I started, let... this with, started this segment with an apology, and uh, I've just doubled down on not liking Tua. So, yeah, apologies. 
again, well, let's get you off this so you don't get any more people in your mentions on Twitter, Rich. Um, who have you got as your fallers this week? So so we touched on one, obviously, earlier in, in Cooper Cup. Um, but the second one is, is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, it's, I'm laughing because I got some absolute pelters because I called him a must sell after week one and two, um, in my article and, and yeah, got, got quite a lot of, uh, people saying that he was going to be a, a league winner this year. And yeah, he only saw four snaps on Sunday. Um, what, what, what can you do with him, Liam? I think that he's, he's basically got next to no value. I can't imagine anybody is willing to trade for him right now um he's he's not getting on the field you know Jeremy McKinnon has almost exclusively locked down the passing game work Isaiah Pacheco you know let's not forget this is what what was Pacheco a sixth seventh round rookie he's taking the you know the, seventh, the running one yeah he's taking the running work it it seems like the only thing that Clyde Edwards Hilaire has got going for him is that he was a former first round pick I think that you know I don't mean to break news, but I can officially report that the Kansas City Chiefs are not going to be picking up Clyde Edwards-Hilaire fifth-year option. <laughs> um, you can you can take that one to the bank right now. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's I just don't see a world where Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to go and get a better situation where he's going to suddenly have fantasy relevancy if he can't produce and they're getting you know decent production out of a journeyman running back okay he's an elite athlete but he's a journeyman running back in Jarrett McKinnon and a sixth or seventh round pick in Isaiah Pacheco I just can't see a world for Carlos Solaire so yeah he he has plummeted down the list um I would genuinely take a third round pick for Hilaire straight up right now yeah, um, I'm sat here trying to look at um, Paul's Dynasty um, buys and sells article over at Five Yard Rush um, because during the season, uh, he gets our help. He gets one person from the Dynasty team to uh, name a few guys and he'll go away, have his own guys and write up the same guys that we've mentioned. But um, when I helped him earlier on in the season, I think he was week three or four, I mentioned Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and um, I remember there being a bit of, not pushback, but surprise that I mentioned it. And he had, in the first three weeks, he had seven, eight, and then seven rushing attempts on those weeks. He had a lot of work in the passing game, um, three, four, and five targets on the exact same on receptions as well. But then week four, he had 19 rushing attempts for 92 yards and a touchdown. Um, and then he's basically not been used whatsoever. And I, I just don't get it. I don't know whether you can shed any light on this, Rich, if you watch any of the Chiefs games, but I just don't get why they aren't using him. When they've given him the ball, he's been decent, if not better than decent when they've properly given him the workload. I just don't get why they're it's, not giving him the ball. He's, he's, and they, they, he, they're insisting on this running back by committee approach. He's not, he's not been good. Um, I think past two weeks ago, the, I agree. If you look at the pure numbers, um, then yeah, he's, he's been okay. But almost every week there's been like, 
he's been bad and then he's had one good um you know freak run that suddenly buoyed his 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 um stats so i think if you actually look behind the numbers it's not been great i'm frantically trying to open up um football outsiders dvoa because um they do a success rate and i'm very intrigued to see what his kind of success rate is now it's not going to load so um yeah i'd 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 suggest that he's he's been pretty poor on a consistent basis so rich going forward um the chiefs have a decent to good schedule coming forward um going into the fantasy playoffs so if you have ceh and you're you're trying to get one of the other two running backs which one would you trust more would you trust pacheco um who had 82 yards on the ground this week or would you trust jerry mckinnon more i don't think you can trust either quite frankly because i think that if you were to tell me that it was going to be a pass-heavy game script, then yeah, you can trust McKinnon. If you're going to tell me that the you know the Chiefs are going to be leading, and we're going to see a, a lot of running, then it's going to be Pacheco. But I just don't think you can, because of the way this offense is set up and is going to work. I don't think you can sit there and say it's one or the. It's, you can trust anything in this offense, quite frankly. So, Rich. Next segment we have on our list is Player of the Week. Do you want to take the listeners through your player for this week that you just wanted to speak about? Well, I I just had to talk about this guy because he won me the flex off, which has now put me in the lead, which I'm sure we'll come on to mention in a little bit. First time this season. It's fine. It's fine. It's a lead. It's a lead. doesn't matter. Tortoise, not hair. Um, But yeah, it's it's Jeff Wilson. Um... I, th- I think that Jeff Wilson, to be honest, is like the number one buy for any contending team that, that wants to go and get a running back. Um, this last week, he had 22.3 points. He had 17 rushing attempts, 119 yards and a touchdown. Add on to that, he had two receptions for 24 yards, but saw five targets. He was acquired two weeks ago in a trade. Let's not forget. He has out-touched... Um, Raheem Mostert every every game. I say every game as if there's been loads. Both games since he was traded for. Raheem Mostert has got an unbelievable history of injuries. And I think that, look, well, I talked earlier about the EPA per play of this offence and tour. And look, this offence is going to be a high-scoring offence. If you can get a part of this offence cheap that's going to see consistent production and volume, and quite frankly, that's Jeff Wilson right now, what's not to love you know i think that he's a he's an impending free agent i think that that's going to be the challenge to people not wanting to value him as a high priced asset because he is basically a one year rental but if you're telling me you can have a one year rental for what a second round pick i'd happily pay that you know to me jeff wilson needs to be in that tier of a Cordero Patterson, Leonard Fournette, you know, James Connor. Like those are the names that we need to be talking about, Jeff Wilson. And I think that in terms of where he's valued by the dynasty community at the moment, I think he's he's at least a tier, if not two, below that. And I honestly think that 
he could be a great buy to go and help you, you know, whether it's a flex spot or, or tip you over the top. And, um, you know, yes, we can all go and swing massive, huge, high-valued trades for, you know, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, stuff like that. But actually, sometimes, rather than going and spending multiple high-priced assets to go and get that one piece, maybe just sending a, you know, a second-round pick or, you know, can you move Jerry Judy for Jeff Wilson plus something? That's the kind of move that I think you need to be moving that is almost certainly going to solidify you as a contender the rest of the year I absolutely love that idea of moving someone like a Jerry Judy plus uh, to get Wilson plus when they when Wilson comes back from his buying week uh, this week uh, week 11 he has Houston so I, I can imagine that both him and most are gonna have a great week that week but then they've got San Francisco which is tough but potential revenge but Kansas um Los Angeles Chargers, sorry, um, who have been pretty poor against the run. The Bills that have been mediocre against the run, and then the Packers who have, again, been awful. So that leading up to your fantasy playoffs, that is a good schedule for a running back to come back from a buy-on. Um, as you said, he's been out, um, or he's been out-producing in terms of both production and um opportunity um when compared to Raheem Mostert. I mean both weeks he's been as in Wilson has been um inside the top eight running backs. He was running back eight in week nine and then running back seven in last week, week ten. So I think he's definitely a great buy if you can go and get him for that one year rental type of pick. He's also four years younger than Raheem Mostert without the injury history. Yeah, also, you're probably at 26 years old, you're probably not um, wanting to spend a lot, which is fair enough. But I think if you're pushing for that, he's cheaper than every other guy you've just mentioned in terms of James Connor, Leonard Fournette, Fournette um, Cordero Patterson. He probably still has the same, if not more, upside. Yeah, I completely agree with you, especially in this offense. I think the other thing to remember as well is that he's on his buy and that's a great time to go and buy people because it's amazing how quickly people forget how valuable someone is when they're sitting there not able to start on that week. You know, you can get a, a good value, I think, this last week because I think once he's back on the field and producing again, I think his price is, is going to start to creep up. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Rich, my player um, for this week was Paris Campbell. A guy that I thought were, was just a flash in the pan, but Jeff Saturday, um, the new interim head coach for the um, Indianapolis Colts, decided to start Matt Ryan to a lot of people's surprise. And I'm glad that in the Dynasty Listener League, <laughs> you managed to dive in there and get there just before I did because I was about a minute too late on getting there and then realised that he was already in, which is good news. Um, but... While Sam Ellinger was the starter, he had weeks of four, we, uh, wide receiver 47 and wide receiver 61. He saw seven targets in those two games combined. In the three starts where he's been extremely good um, when Matt Ryan was starting and the offense clicked a little bit more, he's had not less than nine targets in that time, in that 
in that span. He's had seven receptions as his lowest reception count. I think we need to start thinking about about Paris Campbell potentially being um, maybe not a. I don't. I, I think it's a bit too early to say league winner, but being a guy that you can go and pick up and potentially have a boom week in a flex spot. Rich, I wanted to talk to you and, and get your play play a little game. Um, you know we like quizzes on this. So um, what do you think in week seven, eight, and ten, which are the three last three starts with Matt Ryan? What do you think his lowest wide receiver rank during any of those three weeks was? I'll give or, you a hint. It's inside the top 24. I was going to say top 24. So I'd guess 18. 11. And that was wow. this week. So it was the three... wide receiver 9 in week 6, wide receiver 5 in week 7, and wide receiver 10 this week. Uh, 11 this week, sorry. I, I just think we need to start thinking about Paris Campbell being something. I know that people have been burnt by him for for years now with all the injuries, but maybe there is something to this and I know that we we're massively high on Paris, um, we we're massively high on Michael Pittman coming into the season. But in those three games, Rich, Par- um, Paris Campbell has out-targeted. Oh no, he hasn't. Sorry, I was looking at the wrong week. But he he's still done extremely well, and he's had near enough equal targets to Michael Pittman in those three games. So what what do you think about Paris Campbell going forward? Is he a guy that you could probably get on the cheap that you're happy to throw in a flex spot or are you just completely out based on the past few years? I really struggle with guys like Paris Campbell because you've made a great argument and a great point there. And, you know, he is producing, as you said, that's three wide receiver one finishes on the trot. In, the, in his just... last three starts with Matt Ryan. Let, let's, yeah. let's just remember okay. that. While he was with Ellinger, he wasn't very good. I'm not, I, I mean, I, I, I'm happy to throw those in the bin. Um, <laughs> but the thing I struggle with is that I don't think the Colts believe that he's the number one or the number two option on the offense. I don't think the Colts want to see what they've got in Paris Campbell long term. I don't see they, they see him as a building block of this franchise moving forward so I really struggle putting any sort of long-term value in guys like Paris Campbell despite that amazing track record and I just worry that yeah he he, he absolutely could and I think that you're right if if the price is right he's probably a great guy right now and he's probably a great guy to to go and inquire about but for me I'm just nervous that it could all disappear just as quickly as it has appeared, if that makes sense. And I worry that, you know, do we start to see more Michael Pittman? He had a great start to the season. He's disappeared the last few weeks. Do we start to see him more? Do we start to see them try to incorporate Alec Pierce? I I think that it comes back to, you know, we talked about it earlier with Jerry Judy. I don't like those wide receivers that are outside the top kind of, 40-ish, 
because to me it gets to a point where they're all kind of replacement level. And if, if Paris Campbell is going to keep producing those wide receiver one finishes, then he's not replacement level. But that's just not a place that I like to put any sort of value. And and that's my real concern with Paris Campbell is I think it could disappear as quickly as it has, has appeared and and you're sort of left holding the bag. So I wouldn't go out and spend any decent capital to go and get him. Equally, I don't think you have to go and spend anything decent to go and get him. So, yeah, I've sort of rambled on there. But basically what I'm saying is you've made a great point. He could easily be great, but I'm a little bit nervous because just, I'm just not there to buy in yet. I'm not saying go out and buy him for a second because I don't think you're you're needing to pay anywhere Definitely close to that. that. But no. what, what I'm saying is if you can get him as a throw-in into a larger deal, even if you think about a Jerry Judy for a Jeff Wilson plus, you get Jeff well, in that deal. Let, let's go with that example. Jerry Judy Jeff for Jeff Wilson, Paris Campbell, and say a second. Oh, this is a smash all day. I think. If okay, you take, so, take, so maybe a take third. The out of that take the second out of it, and I'm probably thinking about it. But that—that's my sort of, of yeah. point. Yeah, is no, like, he's a throw-in, but he's a contender throw-in. So, yeah, I, I'll stop rambling on about him now, like you did, and I'll let you have a bit of glory um, because I haven't let you with this competition at all this season. Um, so that is the flex off. And um, for those of you that are new and don't know what the flex off is, it's where me and Rich go head to head each week and picking a player. Um, that should be considered for your flex spots. The way that we regulate that is we can't pick within the top 20, or top 36 wide receivers, top 24 running backs, or the top 12 tight ends in weekly ECR um, run by Fantasy Pros. And as it's only flex and not super flex, um, we don't allow quarterbacks else. We just pick a quarterback and and hope whichever one runs it in for a touchdown is probably going to win. So... Rich, um, you won last week with um, that three. Jeff is that Wilson. three on three on the trot? I've won. <sighs> yes, I was hoping you weren't, but going to bring that up. Yes, three on the trot. So that puts Rich at five and myself at four. He is one ahead. And as I said earlier, it's the first time in this season that he's been ahead um, with I've been even or I've been one ahead all the way through the year. So Rich has finally found a, a lucky streak to get himself back into the game. But um, Rich, as you won last week, I'll let you talk about your complete homerism of a pick um, yep. this week. Yep. So look, there is there is a lot of data and there's a lot of information around picking a Jets running back against what is a good New England front seven would be a bad pick. There is probably a, a poor choice in picking what most people would see as the number two running back in the offense <laughs> um, as, as the potential. But I call this a hunch. I think that the Jets are going to be so motivated for this game on Sunday. The Jets have lost 13 straight games against the Patriots. I think that it is absolutely a monkey on their back right now. And I think that they've had the entire, you know, bye week to, to build up for this. And I think that this is going to be 
kind of the Jets' season in one week. And I think that the way that the Jets have been doing it of late, and I think the way the Jets are going to want to continue to do it, is I think they're going to try to set out and beat up and out-muscle the Patriots. And to me, that leads with James Robinson getting a large volume of carries. And I think that he's going to have a good game. So, yes, this is a massive homer pit because I think the Jets are going to beat the Patriots and I think that we're going to do it on the ground game, which is why I'm picking James Robinson. So if it blows up in my face, I can say at least I was back in my guys. But I genuinely believe that the Jets are going to run the ball all over the Patriots on Sunday and the Jets are then going to be top of the AFC East come Monday morning. You are really feeling the Jets now. The, at the start of the season, um, when I did just a bit of fun, um, I tried to predict all the records in the the NFL. did not go very well. But the one thing I did predict was the Jets having seven wins or more. And you told me that it not I wasn't crazy, but you just didn't think that seven wins was possible. I think I said it was never happening. So, or something something along those lines. I was trying to be nice to you, but if you want to throw yourself under the bus even more, more, feel free. It's the life life of a Jets fan. You you are ever the pessimist. You never believe, and then as soon as you get a glimmer of hope, you're so excited. You grab it with everything you've ever had. You throw yourself behind it, and then it comes back to haunt you. So I can guarantee what is going to happen is the Jets are going to have a nice season. They're going to play well, and then it's going to get to week 18. We've got a chance of getting in the playoffs. Zach Wilson's going to throw four four interceptions, have a horrific game, and the Jets don't make the playoffs. I've I've already already braced myself for it, Liam. So there you go, Um, listeners. Who sells Zach Wilson before before week 18? Um, My flex... Uh, my flex off pick is going to be Brian Robinson Rich. Um, he's a guy that hasn't had the yards per carry that you want to see. You are, for, for those of you that don't know, you kind of want over four yards per carry to be somewhat efficient, puts you um, ahead of the sticks. So you could just, in theory, run the ball all the way through the game and keep picking up first downs and running out of the clock. Um, this week, He had his first game over 15 points at 17.1. And of course, we we do use PPR. So um, for for full transparency, I wanted Antonio Gibson this week. But I think a lot of other people have clocked on to why I'm picking Brian Robinson. That is because he's playing against the Houston Texans run game, which is one of the worst, if not the worst, um, run game in the league. He... So Rob Brian Robinson is currently getting 15 to 20 touches a game. He's had one game um, where he has started, where he has had less than uh, 13 um, rushing attempts. So I think personally that the Houston Texans are going to um, let up a lot on the ground. And as I said, I did want Antonio Gibson because we use PPR scoring and I think Gibson's going to have a better game. I still think that um, Brian Robinson, who had his season high in snaps this week in 52, um, is going to have a great game and blow James Robinson out of the water. Sorry, Rich. 
No, it's fine. You can you can drink. You can drink. Yeah, I can drink. I can't wait to revisit this and have egg on my face by saying that he's going to blow James Robinson out of the water. Um, Rich, let's move over to the mailbag. So um, if you do want to get your questions on the Five Yard Dynasty show, go over to the at Five Yard Dynasty Twitter account and on a Tuesday, uh, on a Monday, sorry, at, at noon UK time, which is working out in my head, uh, seven o'clock EST in the morning um we send out a tweet asking you for your listener questions so tweet on there um or dm me and rich one of us or on the um dynasty account and we'll get it on here so rich first off we've got craig has asked what is rondale moore's value and is he a sell right now um i think this one's a little bit tough i did sell him um in the past week for um a first rounder and that was including a few other pieces um but the main deal was more and a few other pieces for a first um so i don't think you're getting that value elsewhere so i think that the the answer is yes and the answer is no okay so yes i think rondell moore should be a sell right now however i think he's probably not Rondell Moore is absolutely balling. He's the wide receiver 12 since, um, I think, week five. Um, He is, you know, everything that we hoped he was going to be coming out. However, he's doing all of this with with a a gaping hole in the wide receiver room. Obviously, DeAndre Hopkins was missing for the first six games. Just as DeAndre Hopkins was coming back, Marquise Brown got injured. So... I think that once Brown and Hopkins are there, I don't think Rondell Moore is going to have as big enough target share to produce the way he has been. However, therefore that that kind of makes him potentially a sell candidate. However, I don't think he's being valued at where I would need him to be in order to move him. I think he is still going to have value as a you know third option as a potential wide receiver like four flex pay for your team um i would probably need a late first in order to sell him right now and i don't think the market have got him anywhere near that value currently so um you know to give you some some names that i've got him in similar value tier i've got him in a value tier with jacoby myers Rashad Bateman, Terry McLaurin, Keenan Allen, um, Chase Claypool. So those are the kind of guys that I'm valuing him around at the moment. Um, so, yeah, I think if you can get, you know, a decent first for him or, you know, even a late first, I would sell him. But I, I reckon you're probably looking at his current price is maybe around two seconds. So, Rich, um the next question is from Tarek. He's asked two, so we'll go with the first one. Do you see a Justin Fields-type progression for Zach Wilson? And I think you've answered that by saying that Zach Wilson in Week 18 is going to throw four, to, four interceptions. <laughs> so should we move on? Uh, in, in short, no, I don't. I think, I think that Zach Wilson absolutely has the potential to put together an improved run of production and performance and be a undervalued dynasty asset 
do I think he's going to turn into Justin Fields and rock it up and be a top six dynasty quarterback? No, because I think that Zach Wilson's never going to have the rushing upside or the potential passing volume to to be Justin Fields. But I do think that Zach Wilson has it in his realm of outcomes that he could put together a decent stretch and get up into that, you know, quarterback 12 to 16 range. Could he be valued ahead of Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, Matthew Stafford, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson at the end of the season? Absolutely. Do I think that's going to happen? Probably not. Or I haven't ranked there quite frankly right now. Um, but I think that that could happen. You know, he could be a you know fringe QB one, early QB two, um, because the potential's all there. And that's always been the, the difficult thing with Zach Wilson is that he can do everything. It's just he is a complete idiot that makes stupid mistakes and struggles to just process simple things. Um, he seems to basically be unable to operate under pressure, which which is is not ideal, should we say. So I'm kind of agreeing with you here. I think the way that I would categorise it is, I think his ceiling is basically what Tua is right now. And I think that's yeah. the best way to put it is, I don't think he's ever going to be um, valued more than say the QB 10 to 8 at max and I think 8 is really pushing it I think the QB 10 is probably ceiling in value um, unless he does something incredible and turns into Patrick Mahomes overnight I, from what I've seen I just don't think it's going to be possible and as you said that rushing upside isn't there um, and I don't think it ever will be in terms of uh, what you need to see for consistent fantasy production at the elite level. Yeah, I think he's, he, and I think you're making this point, but he is a very different quarterback to Tua, and he's going to do it in a very different way. But I think yes. the fantasy ceiling is is where Tua is now, quite frankly, in terms yeah. of being a, a a piece in a very good offense, but never going to have that super elite seeming because of the Caps rushing side. And then the last question, Rich, is directed at me. Um, and I, this is the third time I've been asked. So um, Amari Rogers has been released by the Packers along with Kylan Hill. Um, for those of you that were not with Five Yard Dynasty going into the uh, 2021 season, I was massively hyped on Amari Rogers, the third round pick that was chosen by my Packers. Um, this was pre-draft, I may add. I was massively high in pre-draft, and then the Packers took him uh, in the third, which then helped me get even more hype. Um, but yeah, he has been released, and Tarek asked, how am I? Um, when we come off this show, Rich, I'm going to go cry in a ball in the corner because <laughs> um, I really thought Amaro was, just gonna, was going to be something, and I don't think he's been given the opportunity to be anything at the wide receiver position. Um and they've tried to shoehorn him into a returner role, which he was never going to be an NFL star at doing. Um, so I don't think we've ever given him the right chance to do so. And um, yeah, see, the, I, the career was short in Green Bay, unfortunately. Can I can I caveat that and saying if he was good enough, surely he'd have 
earned an opportunity given they've basically had nothing else in that offence? Yes and no. Um, I'm not going to defend him too much because he's just been released. But um, they traded for Randall Cobb late last season, um, which was basically what Mario Rogers was going to be used for and hasn't been given the chance to do that. And then they've just drafted three wide receivers this year. I don't think he's been given the, the right platform to progress but I also haven't been there during training camp during all the practices in the background every week and he could have been equally as awful running wide receiver uh, routes and everything but yeah I, I agree with you um, he, he should have been able to step up as a third round rookie uh, or a third round pick but um, I also don't think that he got enough playing time to make that decision um, but who knows? Amari Rogers could become the next star that has moved on. In all seriousness, he <laughs> isn't going to be whatsoever. Um, let's just forget about Amari Rogers now because he is he has broken my heart, and that is a sad ending to the show. Rich, um, is there anything you wanted to add uh, this week, or are you all good to sign off? Uh, good, good for me. So, listeners, that's all we have on the show sheet. So that is all we have on the show. Um, I'm going to go cry in a ball in the corner um, now that Amara Rogers is gone from the Packers. But until next week, when I'm a bit more emotionally stable, um, have a great week and we'll see you then. Bye, guys. entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.